Hey everybody, welcome to this month's Metal Misconduct. And yet again, we are coming to you from the beautiful palatial NHL offices in downtown New York City, Manhattan. Uh, I'm Brian Sligo from Metal Blade Records as always, and we have with us again Sean Rourke from NHL.com. Wearing an NHL.com shirt, no less. How yes. are you, Sean? Branding, baby. Represent, represent. <coughs> exactly. This Man. is almost the home office now here of uh, Metal Misconduct. I know. I like Different it. Different co- conference room every time. We get a little uh, little change of scenery, but uh, we got it uh, We got it all going on here in downtown Manhattan. <laughs> it sounds a little bit better doing it this way than Skyping or whatever the hell yeah. these things we normally do. And uh, we are super excited again to welcome a former Metal Misconduct uh, guest before, NFL insider for CBS TV and a million other things, Jason Lockenfora. Thanks for having me back. In full disclosure, I'm wearing an SST t-shirt. Well, more importantly, you're wearing a replacement hoodie. And a replacement, hoodie, yes, and a replacement is, hoodie. Now, this would the only thing cooler than this t-shirt would be a Metal Blade t-shirt. But I, it's quite all right. I was scrambling. I was scrambling to pack, so I just and, grabbed and a black t-shirt. And for full t-shirt. disclosure, I'm wearing a, a, a Battle of, of California Kings versus Ducks. I, I figured I'd do some hockey. There you go. That, so. Absolutely. So, uh, of course, uh, we'd love to have Jason on right before the football season starts out. We are all huge football fans here. Uh, I did uh, I did your buddy Pharrell's show uh, the other night as Scotty well. I a couple so, nights ago. Cool. Yeah, he, helping promote the book, which awesome. uh, actually came out the day we're recording this. The book came out. So, if you haven't got it, go get it for the sake of heaviness, the history of Metal Blade Records. What? Again, Brian, burying the lead. The book came out today, number one. Number metal, one on Amazon. Number one rock. Yeah, number six on iTunes. So, yeah, it's all right. It's, uh, it's all the, not a bad debut. Making make a killing. From what Easy. people tell me, these are all good numbers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. It's a book thing. So, I'm like, as long as everybody else is happy, it seems like it's good. And unless you've lived under a rock for the last week, you've heard Brian at some point. Somewhere, Either yeah. on Sirius or in the paper. He's uh, mainstream, at least for the week. Well, so there's main, yeah, sort of. Sort of, kind of, sort of. It's funny. No, but, yeah. it's quite a promo tour. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been good. Howard Stern. Yeah. Huh? Well, the wrap-up show. The wrap-up show. Still. It's like it's the good. AAA version of I'll, Howard Stern. I'll take it. I'll the take American it. Hockey Tra- League, if you will. It's all right. Yeah. Former More. Metal Misconduct guest, Eddie Trunk show. I noticed that uh, right after we right, – well, yesterday after did Eddie's shows, the book went up, went up. And then today after doing the Stern thing, the book went up. So – you know, these things, I guess, somehow sell books, which is good. Absolutely. When Metal Misconduct goes up on Saturday, the book's going to go up. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. That's right. It's coming out. That's right. It is this Saturday. That's good because it'll be it'll be uh, current, as they say. Cool, cool. So, um, Mr. Logan Forrest. Yes, sir. Football season is around the corner. Does this so is this time of year? Are you excited about this, or you're like, oh god, I gotta go back to work after having summer off? More yeah, or less? yeah. It's. A, I mean, I'll be honest. It's a little bit of both. You're you're psyched for the games. Um, you know, there's always a lot of news and and there's a lot going on. But like, I'd be lying if I said, you know, you also know that like, okay, I probably will come up for air like the day after the draft, but my season and really it starts training camp. You know, I travel a lot in July and August. So like July 25th teams start reporting. Like my season is like July 25th to like May the 3rd. And then you take a little breather and then you go around OTAs and then you really shut it down for a couple weeks in June or July. But yeah, I'm kind of freaking out because my wife's going back to teaching and we've got three kids and I'm starting to look at, like who's got soccer practice when and who's got, you know, trumpet practice and who's got tutor. And it's like, and I have all my various masters I have to serve. 
and I can't just depend on my wife to always be there. So I'm freaking out a little bit. But no, it's good. I'm, I'm ready for the season to start. Sean can help you with that. He's got the same sort of stuff going on. Yeah, two kids, soccer, cheerleading, the whole thing. It's crazy. It's not enough hours in the day. God bless your wife and my wife. <laughs> yeah. Because my wife handles the lion's share of it. I just show up for a game every now and then and play the hero. Yeah, yeah. I'm used to being able to coach and do a little more, but now with three of them and all three of them are involved in stuff, it's just kind of like the youngest is now old enough. It's just like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we'll figure it out. Day to day. Day to day, like the athletes say. Yeah. Day to day, gentlemen. So now I'm like going into this NFL season, I'm kind of in the dark. Like, I have no idea who's going to be good. I don't think there's not going to be that many teams. I mean, I I think most teams are going to be bleh. Yeah, even like the Patriots. I mean, Elman's out for the year now, so yeah. that's clearly going to hurt them. They've lost a couple other guys. They're, you know, they're not getting any younger. The you know, guys. yeah, they're still pretty good though. And I mean, if any team clearly. could could handle that injury, I mean, they've got Amendola who they can still throw in the slot. They're getting Gronk back. You know, they won a Super Bowl without Gronk last year. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. looks like a beast. They're getting him back. You know, that that kid Hogan really came on last year. The more he played with Brady, they added Brandon Cooks on the outside. The kid Mitchell they drafted from Georgia came into the year hurt. I loved what he gave him in December and January. He now, he's, in the Super Bowl. now he's had a whole offseason with Brady. My questions with them are, are just pass rushing. Do they have enough of it? And how much can Belichick and Matt Patricia scheme? And how much do they need even? Because if the offense is what I think it is, they're going to be playing with a lead. And anytime you're playing with a lead and people have to throw on first, second, and third down, and you got a Bill Belichick scheme, they're going to find their opportunities. Uh, but, I mean, you look at Jamie Collins and Chandler Jones and then Ninkovich retires. Yeah, I and, thought Ninkovich was a huge loss. He's one of my favorite guys. But they did everything with him, right? They put him on the edge. Absolutely. Yeah, middle. big Patriots fan over here, Mr. Rourke. Full so. child ahead. Well, good for you. Hey, there's, you've, you've had a lot to celebrate for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of misery for a long time, too. So it all – That's all the, the way it always there, is, though. For all the fans out there, your time's coming. I don't well, know if we'll their time's coming like that. Yeah, what is it? Like 12 championship games in 15 years or something like that? I don't know that everybody gets that. Yeah. So I, I guess the big question is, is there anybody out there that can really challenge them? I mean, in a one-off, sure. But over the course of 16 games, I think that – I don't think they're going 16-0, and 0, but I don't think they're suffering a lot of losses well, either. They, they got at least, what, six easy wins because that is clearly the worst division it's a bad, by it's a bad far. Division. I mean, those yeah. teams are all horrible. I mean, could Miami split with them? No. Maybe – Somebody Jake always, Cutler has somebody a, always has a game. I mean, There's always please, one Jake game in that game. run where they trip up. It's but, usually Buffalo, but, yeah, but I mean, those are, I think those are the three worst teams in the league, right there. I can't think of anybody. Well, maybe Cleveland I don't think Miami is, is that horrible. Miami's yeah. going to be okay offensively. Defensively, I have issues, but they I think like Cutler's won like three games in the last three years. I mean, he's what, got a pretty good cast around them. Yeah. I was with them for a couple days when they were scrimmaging the Eagles. I was pretty. I mean. We got to remember the year. Last time Adam Gase was with Jay Cutler, he had a passer rating of ninety three, highest of his. Yeah, career. they went like three and thirteen or something. So, yeah, well, they had no defense, and he really had no weapons. Uh, Brandon Marshall he, had left. Forte had left. Uh, right, Bennett was in New England that year. They, uh, Alshon Jeffrey was never healthy. I Cut, mean, Cutler loves to throw the interception. He right? does, but I'm just saying with Adam Gase, win. and Adam Gase to me is a special coordinator. I think it was like twenty three touchdowns, ten picks. QB rating in 93. He converted him to being a game manager. Well, this and is also several years ago, before a lot of injuries. I don't know. He's I think, fresh, I think, though. He's had I think the, the Dolphins. I think the best the Dolphins could hope for is 6-16. Six 
And those other teams, maybe two and fourteen. I know all my yeah. Jets fans want to go one and fifteen. Yeah, so the get Jets the are going to stink. The Bills are going to stink. They're playing for the future, and they should. I think Miami could be a five hundred team, but it, oh, it's wow. not a good division. But I mean, is it worse than the AFC North? I mean, the Browns I think will be better, but that means four or five wins. Yep. I'm not buying the Bengals or the Ravens. You know, I think the Steelers run away with that division. I think the Titans. Are Titans the should team be good. In the South. If Mariota can stay healthy, he I looks think good. in the AFC. And I hate to say this because that's primarily CBS's conference, but I think the only playoff race that ends up being intriguing is is out west, where I I you can make the case. I think the Chargers will be a lot better. What? I don't know if anybody's going to their games, but it's a pretty good roster. Well, it's a they, small stadium, if, so they only got like thirty thousand people. Yeah, so but they they were getting twenty one for the preseason. Um, you know, the Raiders are still formidable. Uh, the Chiefs, I think, will be good. And really? the Broncos, I don't know about their quarterback, but eh. your Broncos, they find good ways defense. to win games and very good defense. That that division, I think, will be a real coin toss. It's a good one. Well, I think the the Raiders, to me, seem like the, the class of that division. As long as Carr stays though. healthy. They can't play defense at all. Really? I don't know that they're any better this year than last year. I mean, they drafted Carr. Oh, they were, they were pretty good Conley. last year until Car- Carr went their down. Their secondary is horrible. I mean, they're, they're, they're not they, – I don't know about their defense at all. I mean – the safety they drafted in the first round two years ago, Carl Joseph, they drafted him hurt. He's remained banged up. No, the, the safety they took from UConn this year never got on the field in the preseason. The corner they took, Gary Ann Conley, in the first round, never. He just started practicing today, and this is less than two weeks before mm. the season starts. Um, you know, Khalil Mack's a great player, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know about Oakland's defense. I don't know if they're any better defensively. I, I mean, really obviously, it's, it's, it's Carr all the way back. <clears throat> Yeah, I, yeah, I'm he not look, worried about him. Preseason. I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about them offensively. Uh, very good offensive line. I mean, see, they're my dark horse Super Bowl pick this year. The, the Raiders. If I, if I, we'll see. Look, if if all these young kids in the back end step up. And they're not, you know, susceptible to fifty-yard bombs left and right. Then, then I, there's a lot I like about them. I've been big on them for a few years. I just wonder if the hype's a little ahead of who they are this year. Well, obviously it's Vegas, and of course Vegas is excited about them coming there. But last I saw, they had like one of the better lines, if not the top line for for Super Bowl Benny, like the best odds to win. Really? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. I just don't think that's a January defense, but I could be wrong. Right, well, I'm I'm often wrong. So then uh, you're the other conference, the NFC. Who knows? Yeah, I like Seattle. Um, I think people, because they don't like a lot of personalities on that team, tend to kind of turn away from exactly what they've done there. Like they're easy to kind of slough off because, you know, Russell Wilson doesn't look like a traditional quarterback. And, boy, they say a lot of – they're really outspoken out there. And, boy, they seem like they're worried about everything other than football. But – they and the Patriots are the only team to win a playoff game each of the last five years. And they didn't have an offensive line last year and still made another playoff run. Losing their left tackle, George Fant, is is significant. And I don't know about the left side of their line, but I've never really liked their offensive line. And, and I love their defense. And Earl Thomas back there with Cam Chancellor, both looking legit. Um, I think Seattle's going to be a tough, tough out. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, because it's just so hard this year. Like I said, it, it seems like there's a lot of kind of middle-aging middle teams. I mean, yeah. yeah, Arizona, what's Carson Palmer mm. going to be like? Green Bay, do they have a defense? Dallas, do they have a defense? How many games will their running back play? Can Dak do it again? Will Dez get hurt? I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of teams I would sit there and, oh, bang the table. Like, you need to see this team play every week in the NFC. They're really, really complete. Interesting. So what do you think on the Ezekiel Elliott thing? When is that hearing, by the way? It, should, it is wrapping up as we speak. Oh, wow. So what's your gut feeling on that? Hard to say? Well, I mean, the NFL created this policy after the Ray Rice incident, right? 
whether you're found guilty in a court of law or not, if our investigators believe you violated the domestic violence policy, it is six games for first incident. And then they've never applied their own policy to any of the cases that have come along since. Josh Brown, one game. This guy, three games. Greg Hardy, ten games, but we lower it to six on appeal. And the guy who heard that Hardy case, which to me was the most egregious, if you, if you read the police reports, if you spent any time with any of the documents in that case and you didn't have chills going down your spine at, yeah. at how heinous it was, and then they hit him with ten, and you're like, they're really making a statement. And then Harold Henderson says, ah, no, nah, no, nah, let's bring it back down to six. That's more like <laughs> it, right? So I don't know. Does does that mean Zeke goes from six to four because Harold Henderson is here in this case as well? If there was anything linear about the way the league made its decisions, then I could say, well – because X plus Y equaled C here, then it's going to equal the same thing here. But that hasn't been the case. So I, I don't know. I do know that if he's suspended for any games, he's going to try to make the sort of Tom Brady or um, who else did it? Some people with the New Orleans Saints when they got hit for Bounty Gate, uh, Anthony Hargrove and the like. He will go to the court of law and try to find a judge who's willing to say that, yeah, they're violating your your workplace rights. They're wow. violating the CBA. And I will grant you an injunction to continue playing while I set a court date to hear your case. I don't think he has nearly the case Tom Brady did. But as you know, right, in this country, you kind of shop your lawsuit. And if you know of a particular judge in a particular jurisdiction, whether it's Dallas or New York or whatever, who seems sympathetic to your cause and you get it in front of him or her, you might have a 50-50 shot. Well, my favorite part of this whole soap opera has to be Jerry Jones, right? Last year, Jerry Jones goes to Robert Kraft and says, hey, listen, for the good of the game, sit your guy down. Yeah. Tell him to shut up. Yeah. We're all done. This is for the good of the game. You need to do For this. the good of the game, it turned and out then, to be for the good of the Patriots and Tom Brady. You get a four-week four vacation. Yeah, and they, they run away with their already in first in the division when he comes back. But now it's his guy. No, and no sitting down. No, for the good of the game. It's my guy. Oh. We're gonna fight. Tooth well, and different nail. scenario though, because again, you know, Brady. I mean, I was wondering why. I mean, I, I, I get it why they would be pissed off, but I was thinking the whole time, like, this is the best thing for the Patriots that could ever happen. You know, an old quarterback that's gonna sit four games and relax and rest and be all fresh when he comes in and fresh for the playoffs and win, and which what they did. For Elliott though, it's a young player, and you lose any sort of games. As a young running back like that, that's going to set you back a little bit potentially. So I think that could hurt him. Well, and, and the reality for Ezekiel Elliott is whatever happens in the court of law, he, if they, uh, assuming they don't vacate their own suspension for him, which I can't imagine the NFL is going to do that. They might lessen it. Yeah. I can't think they vacate. Unless they vacate it, he now will be in their personal conduct policy. He will be considered as someone who has violated the domestic violence policy. And if you read that policy, it says a second offense, you're, you can be terminated from the league for life. So that's going to – whatever happens in the court of law, maybe it ends up being two games. Or maybe he plays all this year while it's tied up in the court of law but then has to sit his four or six games next year. The reality is if he has another transgression in this sphere, whether or not the court of law says he did or not, if the court of yeah. the NFL says you violated this policy again, that could be it. doesn't matter if he's 22, 23, 24, whatever. That's what Jerry Jones should be more concerned about. Jerry Jones, to me, should be a guy who, at least privately, whatever happened here, he needs to be instilling in Zico Elliott that yeah, you need to walk if you're going to party five nights narrow. a week, you're not going to have a very long career. Not only because what it's going to do to your body and your mind, but what it's going to do in terms of your ability to be available to play because the league has some pretty stiff policies. 
Well, interesting. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. But I, I still think the Cowboys will be pretty decent. Uh, I mean, they were good last year, and it, you know, Japan a tough division. Yeah, that's another one where I don't know a whole lot separates them. I I would. Uh, <clears throat> Do the Giants have a shot? I like these? Eddie Trunks, New York Giants. I don't like their <laughs> left tackle. I don't love their offensive line in general. But again, none of the all these teams have significant warts. I mean, that's the reality of the NFL with parity and revenue sharing and the way the draft works and the way the scheduling works and all that. It's made to keep everybody right in the middle there but i think they'll run the ball better than last year they have no lack of talent on offense and the defense is top five so um, they got multiple guys who can come off the edge they, they've got sufficient team speed they've upgraded their secondary I, I i mean i think the giants are the best team in that division one guy it's, it's early but jpp looks no i mean he and olivier early. vernon that that that's i mean that's not many people are in that conversation of best bookends. I mean, I'll start thinking about Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa and, and you know, with the Chargers. I mean, is Justin Houston healthy this year? I mean, maybe the Chiefs. But uh, that that's way, way up there in terms of legitimate guys you feel like you have to double most of the time and you can't double them both. You know, the one guy that has impressed me in the preseason and obviously had, had a really great season going out last year until he got hurt. I can't believe I'm going to say these words, but Brian Hoyer looks like – I'm a Brian Hoyer guy. Like an elite quarterback. I am a Brian Hoyer guy going way back, and I take so much – we can't curse on this, right? I take so much crap for it um, from some of my colleagues at CBS and just other people around the league. I'm in the tank for it. I think the kid – I know he's incredibly smart. He's incredibly prepared. He wrings every ounce of ability out of his body. Uh, I mean this is a guy who the last time he was with Kyle Shanahan, his head coach there who's also yep. basically the coordinator, there was a point – where they were with the Cleveland Browns, they were seven and four in first place in the AFC North. He was on his way to a potential Pro Bowl season, and the owner wasn't real happy that Manziel wasn't playing, and it wasn't sexy enough for some people. And you know, he's fight even though the team's in first place, he's kind of having to fight for his job all the time, and. They end up playing Manziel, and that season's a disaster, and they let Kyle Shanahan out of his contract. And, I mean, I could, I could, you know, there could be books written about the futility of the Cleveland Browns. But And then Brian Hoyer, as much as he got benched by Bill O'Brien in Houston that year in the third quarter of the opening game, wins his job back, gets the team in the playoffs. They have a collective meltdown against the Chiefs, and then they blame Hoyer for a couple picks. And, you know, oh, we got to get Hoyer out of here. Well, how did Brock Osweiler work out making three times as much as Brian Hoyer? <laughs> I'm telling you, Hoyer in that system with a he's got decent tackles. I don't love the interior offensive line, but he's got he's got good tackles. They're gonna run the ball. Pierre Garcon in that system yeah. will be fine. The kid Marquise Goodwin will do what yep. Taylor Gabriel did for Shanahan in Atlanta and stretch the field. And Hoyer's accurate enough. He's a gamer. Like the, he will he will outperform some and, and San Francisco's offense was abysmal last year. But even from a fantasy standpoint, like Brian Hoyer, if you're one of these guys who streams quarterbacks against some matchups, not Seattle, you know, not some of the best defenses, he'll he'll win you money in fantasy too. I'm telling you, that offense will be San Francisco won two games last year. They're going to win at least six this year. I, I really believe they'll be much improved. I actually think if if they can stay healthy, and that's always the big problem with football is always guys staying healthy. But I think if that team could stay healthy, I think they got a shot at making the playoffs maybe. Because I watched a lot of preseason football, and they're the one team that I was like, wow. <clears throat> I didn't expect that they would look that good, but they looked re – the, the well, first team looked really the good. The roster last year 
wasn't great, but it wasn't a two-win roster. I mean, they had the Chip Kelly. There was a lot of stuff going on there, infighting between the coach and the GM. You know, everybody knew it was going to get blown up. It, it, it just get guys retiring left and right. It was just the perfect storm. Um, but Kyle can coach offense, and you look at the front seven. I mean, the two kids they drafted, Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster, are going to be great. impact players yep. from the giddy-up. If they can keep the two young D-tackles healthy, they've got an ability to be elite run stuffers. Um I, I I like what they have going on there. I don't know about playoffs, but it, it wouldn't shock me like if they were kind of like the Lions last year and they win some close games and they get on a little roll and next thing you know they're the second wild card. But I, I think, you know, six to eight wins for sure, which coming from a two win season is yeah, well, I I think they could they could do that as well. So um, I'm not sure how much you can comment on this, or you have an opinion, or if you can even say your opinion. Uh, but what's your take on Kaepernick? Um, as to why I'll he's not playing. Say my opinion, uh, he's not playing because people are not treating him as if he's an available player to play. They are treating him as if he is on some suspended list or exempt list or other than list, rather than just being. Uh, an unrestricted free agent, which is actually his true status with the with the NFL. Um, there were at one point 118 quarterbacks under contract in the NFL at the start of the of the training camps. There is not anyone who has a modicum of understanding about the game of football who could remotely contend that there are 118 better quarterbacks than Colin Kaepernick. There are not 64 better quarterbacks than Colin Kaepernick. In my opinion, there are not 32. But um, as much as they talk about it being a meritocracy, it is not in this case. And this is highly, highly political. And people don't want to, and by people, I mean owners, don't want to put up with the air quotes distraction and um, all the quote air quotes controversy that would come with signing him as your backup quarterback, which is what he would be now. But you've got other teams and other guys now that have kind of done the same thing in the preseason, including a lot of players who are, are looked at Absolutely. as character guys. So does that take a little bit of the steam off of that? Or is there – I just wonder if there's more to it than obviously we, we know from the outside looking in. But I talked to some friends of mine that like, for example, in Miami who, you know, when they got – like, what are you doing with Jay Cutler? And he's like, what? You know, Kaepernick's a far better quarterback in my opinion. But they all said – not a great guy in the locker room. That was that was their deal. I you know the, I don't the, know. Well, nor nor is Jay Cutler. I would say I exactly. get, I get Cutler <laughs> because he'd been with Gase before, and with the offense Gase wants to run, it's plug and play. There's no new terminology. Literally, Cutler is the only guy who like break glass in case of emergency who could step in and from no off season and know that offense better than any other player there who'd been there the whole off season. That wouldn't be the case with Colin. Colin had his issues with teammates. He was seen as aloof and, and, and indifferent for parts of his career. Honestly, until he took the stand he took. And then a lot of guys in that locker room, guys who had kind of said, I'm done with him, started talking to him about where he was mentally and where he was in his life outside of football. And he actually won a lot of them back over and became a galvanizing thing for him in terms of his relationship with his teammates. Now, People talk about how bad he played last year. The offense was a complete joke. Chip Kelly, his it's been proven now in two places that what he was running didn't work in the NFL, and he had no supporting cast around him. Kaepernick didn't. Still, since he came into the league, I think he's 15th in the NFL in quarterback his num- ratings. His, his interception good. percentage is rivaled only by Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. He does not turn the ball over. He can still make plays with his legs. But this isn't – this isn't just about football. He's better than anybody on Jacksonville's roster. He has been for <laughs> quite some time. Um, 
even before Blake Bortles did more Blake Bortling in the preseason. <laughs> but it's it's about once he got to the point where he wasn't anybody's starter, then the owners could just hide behind. Well, I'm not going to upset the apple cart just to bring him in to hold a clipboard. The only way he gets signed is if a team that believes it's a true contender loses its quarterback for the season and its backup plays for a couple weeks and he's hot garbage. And now it's am I going to am I going to try to salvage this season and maybe rankle some sponsors for a few weeks and put up with a little BS, but maybe try to make something out of this? Or am I just going to continue to pretend that this kid's not really available and ignore him? If that doesn't happen, then he's not going to be signed. Yeah, no, I, I think what you said about being second string, like if he was at the top of his game when he did this, the Jets or somebody would have signed him because they need the help, but you're not going to do it for a limited return. Well, it also kind of <clears throat> banks on another problem, I think, in the NFL at this point, is there are a serious lack of elite quarterbacks. And I'm not – I mean, look, there looks to be a few guys in college this year that might yeah, be Yeah, people are excited good. about it, yeah. But my here's my theory, and you're the expert, and I'm just you know well, I just trust me. There are no experts. If there were experts on quarterbacks. Teams wouldn't make as many mistakes, huh. right? I mean, nobody nobody knows. Hackenberg doesn't go in the second round, and Russell go in the third round. Yeah. If this was easy, well, you look at most of the quarterback. If I look at college football, here this is my I'm gonna get on my little my little yeah. soapbox here for a second. Uh, all these SEC teams and most of these other teams run. Defense first, you know, option quarterbacks. They're not playing an NFL-style offense. Yes. The only division that plays NFL-style offense is the Pac-12. And most of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL at this point are all coming from the Pac-12. Or even the West Coast, like Kaepernick, who was in a very West Coast-dominant offense in Nevada. And that's where they're they're actually breeding these quarterbacks. But these other systems don't care. They're, they're, they're not in it for that. They have a whole – that's how you win in college football. You don't win with having an elite quarterback. And they're not developing. Anything. So by the time these guys get to the NFL, they just they don't have the skills to be an yeah, NFL no, style quarterback. I, I, I would agree with a lot of that. And a lot of these schools, it's like let's just find an athlete who can help us move the football, and we're not necessarily grooming to be an NFL quarterback. We're just grooming them to be somebody who can beat college defenses. Yep. You know, and and, and, and who's the last guy out of Alabama, right? Like I mean, nothing. Never, yeah, I mean, all those power it, for years they've never had. I mean, I guess Pres- Prescott came from Mississippi State, so you got to give him a little bit of. Yeah, a, I mean, Alabama's. I mean, Greg McElroy played for a hot minute with the Jets as a backup. Terrible. McCarron, a lot of people think could be very good. Ah. He's the Bengals number two. I, I don't know. Well, there's a lot of evaluators who like him. Uh, completely, just to get off tangent for a minute, go go back and look at the last seven drafts. All the Alabama kids who were drafted. And how many of them ain't close to what they were supposed to be? Nick yeah. Saban doesn't get near. Everybody's oh, Saban has so much talent, so much talent. I mean, Trent Richardson, D. Milner. We could we could spend a whole podcast talking about Alabama bust. Rolando McLean. I mean, you could go well, on and Trent Richardson on and on and on about all these guys who go high. Who but I will also, but level. I will tell you that Alabama has the game played well. They don't play anybody in the regular season. The SEC is a very weak, even though people are going to argue and say it's bad. It's a very weak conference. Alabama plays like two or three good teams. Their schedule is a bunch of pansies. They schedule a pansy late in the season, so they they have a walk a walkover, and then by the time they get to the playoffs, they're ready to go because they played no one. And they haven't. Nobody's hurt. But but to your point on quarterbacks, I think you're spot on, Brian. Um, other than Cal, where they kind of run a gimmicky thing there, and you've seen, you know, Jared Goff. There's a lot of questions about mm-hmm. him and his adjustment. You know, you, the Ravens of years ago, uh, Kyle Bowler, yeah. big time bust. So Cal's a little bit of an outlier. But but a lot of those programs, 
Yeah, I would say they, they do produce sort of or, or run some pro style offense and they and they do coach the quarterbacks up. And uh, there's 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 something to that. I think some of these coordinators have done a better job of others of meeting some of these raw quarterbacks, you know, halfway or close to halfway. Um, you know, and even a Mariota who, yeah, they did some gimmicky stuff there, but oh, he's, he's got though. some pocket passer. Look at his numbers in the red zone, oh, yeah. and he can make things. You know, he can make plays in in the pocket. Numbers well. in the red zone, like thirty three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah, it's brilliant, it's incredible. It's like Aaron Rodgers stuff. Um, so you, yeah, there is there is a dearth of. of By the way, where did Aaron Rodgers go to school? Cal. So you but, re- but you have been on Cal, and but one of the you know where ever. where should he have gone? Probably first overall. Yeah, yeah. People are worried about the system, and he goes <laughs> what twenty five picks after Alex Smith, and he sits for three years. Fair enough. Fair enough. But then there's a couple of quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the league this year that I think a lot of people are wondering about. Trubisky in, in Chicago, right? Look, he's played very well in the preseason. I suspect that they go with Glennon for a few weeks. They're paying him eighteen and a half million dollars for for one season's you know, worth of work. So they'll go to Glennon, but I don't think they'll be a very good football team. And I think Trubisky will get plenty of reps there. And I, I was, I mean, he's a guy who you talk to people. I didn't go to their camp, but you talk to people who were there and in that organization the first couple of days. And he's, he literally doesn't know how to take a snap from under Sano because he's in shotgun all the time. Yeah. So going from that to what he did in the preseason games, his ability to throw on the run, um, you know, just his arm strength, his accuracy, he didn't play that much in college, um, you know, which scared some people. But no, he, he so far to this point, he looks the part. I mean, I can tell you this: if if Jared Goff had a preseason anything close to what Trubisky did, they'd be doing cartwheels in in L.A. and yeah. and they're not. And the other guy is the quarterback du jour in, in uh, Cleveland. I guess it's going to be Kaiser, right? Yeah, and there's a lot of hype there because they haven't had a quarterback since they came back into the league. You know, I mean, you got. But I don't think those either of those guys are going to be elite quarterbacks. That's why I wonder, like, well, where, Trubisky. I don't know. I mean, no, it's going to take time. No guys oh, that going to take guys at the beginning, know? right? Knows. And I don't know that Dejon Kaiser is, but a he's he's got so much going for him, right? He's got the hype. He's got the. He's got the backing behind him. He's got all that going on. And like you said, they're desperate. I mean, if you're a mediocre quarterback in that franchise, well, you yeah, can write they, your own ticket. They've had, they've had nothing. I mean, what? They went to the playoffs one time with Derek Anderson, right? And then he proved to be a, a really good backup, but but not someone who could go out in the field for you 16 times a year. I think there's a – I'm I'm a bit of a, of a Kaiser skeptic. Um you know, he's kind of playing with house money here. He's competing with Osweiler, who they don't want in the building. That was a paper transaction, right? <laughs> that was that was a draft pick cap space transaction. It was not a football transaction. Then you got Kessler, who is never uh, looked the part of a starter, who was overdrafted. And if you're lucky, he's a small Todd Collins, who is a 12-year backup, who could maybe help you out in a pinch, but who's never going to be your starter. So who's he really competing with? Then? Yeah, nobody. And it's house money, and you know everybody – they're all rooting for him <coughs> because they drafted another quarterback. And he, he looks the part in a lot of ways, but there was a lot in his tape last year when it mattered that scared the hell out of teams. And um, there's some con- leadership concerns and all that. So I, I, let's wait and see. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm, yeah, not, ready, I'm not ready to crown him. Not ready. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to crown him. But I do think they'll be much better defensively, and I think they they revamped the offensive line. They're going to be able to run the ball with Crowell, and then a lot of dump offs to Duke Johnson. Like they're not going to be an abject failure. They're not going to get their quarterback killed every twenty snaps like they did last year. Um, but I, there are going to be some bumps in the road for Deshaun Kaiser. And we've talked to all these quarterbacks. We haven't talked the greatest quarterback in the league, at least financially. 
Matt Stafford after Matt today's Stafford. news. Oh, I'm, I'm a Stafford, Stafford guy. Like yeah, Stafford. five years, what one thirty-five? He gets a year. He gets eighty odd million between now and March of twenty eighteen. If, if that phenomenal. guy ever had an offensive line. He'd be pretty good. Yeah, or I mean, defense. Now, I mean, there's times people want to want to bang him for, you know, he doesn't beat that many teams over 500 and the lack of playoff wins. But he hasn't really had complete teams around him. I mean, they've been mismanaged for a long time there. And, you know, they haven't really kept anything together. Um, I, th- I think they could be kind of on the right path right now. I, I love what he's done with Jim Bob Cooter as his coordinator. I love how they've moved that, you know, kind of – steadied that offense he's not quite the gunslinger he was before uh, but his ability to rally teams and just make plays when it mattered and try to and he's flat, out, watch. flat out he's win games in the fourth quarter you talk about I, i'm a stafford guy I, I, I love i love him but you talk about mismanagement you're paying him more than any player here's, in the league. here's and the I thing about him to a degree you had to do it but you put yeah. yourself in a position well where you had to yeah, make but that, that but that's signing. but that's because there's so few good quarterbacks in this league that any anytime somebody comes up like that, you're gonna have to overpay them. I mean, look, I love Andrew Luck, and I, he looked like he was gonna be a can't miss guy. Uh, injuries and and again that zero offensive line, zero talent right have kind of hurt him. But you know he's making a ton of money too because they had to pay. Yeah, him. And he's making twenty five a year. I mean the thing that, that otherwise I'll, your Patriots are gonna take him in a, the, in a year or two. <laughs> The thing about Stafford and is, but they'll get him for fourteen million. <laughs> oh, you're, you guys got Garoppolo. You, you you guys are you guys are all right. You don't you, you got a starter and a backup. Um, the, the the issue with Stafford is he was the last of the bonus babies who came in under the old collective bargaining agreement, where he and Sam Bradford were literally guaranteed fifty to sixty million dollars before they ever even signed their contract. The way the structure used to work, they changed the whole rookie wage scale now to the point where it's almost like those guys are grandfathered in. So if you took Matt Stafford first overall in the year that they took him, and then the CBA changed the way it did, well, that's not Matt Stafford's problem. He's already he was already one of the eight highest paid quarterbacks in the league when he was struggling early in his career. Yeah. And then once he shows you that he's pretty good, and we can debate how good, but pretty good. Um, then you're just, what are you going to do? Yeah, give him a bake. I mean, if anything, maybe you trade him. And I, and you could maybe sell me on that because I think you could get a ton for him in trade. But then you're drafting a young guy, and is he going to be that good and, and, and all that? So he, he was he was going nowhere. I, I think they had to do this. And it's all time. It, just so much of this is timing. I mean, the right guys get extensions three, four months before you, and then you, you're, you're one year away. And – what are they going to do? Wait till Aaron Rodgers gets his one in six months from now after the season when he gets up to twenty nine a year? When when Washington franchises Kirk Cousin a third time in February and now he's making thirty four next year? Then you want to you want to sit down with Matt Stafford then like right before he be, hits the open market and try to re-sign him? That's that's just the economics of the NFL. Yeah, I agree. And there's so like I said again, there's so few really good quarterbacks that those guys are ultimately just going to make stupid money, which just, that's the way the system and, is. And more power to them. I yeah. mean, look at the NFL. I mean, you talked about Vegas. Just just think about how much money. So three teams are moving, twenty nine or not. Think about how much money those twenty nine owners are getting from the relocation fees oh, yeah. from the three teams that moved. It's it's well over a billion dollars. I don't want to hear anybody crying about how much they're paying their quarterback. Yeah. None of these owners are bleeding or hemorrhaging money. No, I, I'm not suggesting that they are. I'm just suggesting that when you look at how you're allocating the money that you do need to allocate for personnel, you've put yourself in a position where you're clearly. Well, but isn't but isn't that the same in the NHL now too, where you know you've got these guys making huge contracts? I mean, look, you know, Edmonton now signed McDavid and Drysidle, and they're making. 
whatever 28 or 30, whatever the, the percentage of the payroll is, yeah. you've got to fill out another 16 decent players. I mean, this is the problem with the Blackhawks and their three guys. I mean, it, it's similar to in every sport now where you, you put all your money in your top three or four guys, and then you got to, especially both in hockey and football, where you got a whole bunch of other players you got to put in. I mean, basketball is 12 players. It's not that big a deal, but... But it's the same – isn't it the same thing in hockey where you, you tie up all that money and then you got to be creative to get other good players around them because you can't win without just – you know you got to have more than just two guys. Yeah, no, uh, to, to a degree it's the same problem. And again, like he said, it's changed a little in the NHL because the bridge deal is going away now. You used to be able to get Connor McDavid or Dreisaitl on a bridge <clears> deal where they – buy a year or two of free agency it doesn't cost them a ton of money and then they get killed on the next deal but you've you've been able to build your team a little bit but now these guys are getting long term buy a ton of free agency at 21 and you're tying up huge amounts of your your cap at that point what i'd like to see in the nfl and i don't know how feasible it is but they're I mean, two to three years away from having to do a new CBA, and I suspect within 18 months they start legitimately talking about it. I'd like to see some sort of calculation where – I would call it a quarterback exemption, but some teams don't have a quarterback, but they have a D tackle making $20 million a year, um, where your highest paid guy, you're allowed to do a little bit of funny money math for the salary cap. Like you designated one guy um, – you know, our, our whatever, our big earner or whatever, and you can prorate his contract for cap terms over eight years instead of six. So, you know what I mean? Like, or, or there's a deduction or, you know, a quarterback lug, anti-luxury tax where, you know, for every dollar a guy makes over $25 million, you get something on the back end in terms of how his cap number specifically is is – calculated so that good teams that are still rebuilding can keep those guys but maybe buy an extra starter or two that they couldn't without this sort of exemption or or subsidy and because the nfl i think more than any league is completely star driven like every other guy is fodder right like they don't they don't move the needle at all like when cbs does a game they're not talking about brandon cooks yeah, They're not talking, not to the degree we're talking about Tom Brady. Yeah, so those guys should make – they're making the money for everybody. Yeah. They should make the money and it shouldn't punish the rest of the team. Yeah, I think there should be a different way in how their cap number is calculated to at least soften the blow to some degree in order to keep these guys in one place their entire career, which ends up happening by and large. I mean, how many good quarterbacks leave before the age of 35? Not many. Now you bring up you brought up something interesting, uh, and I want to ask both you guys this question uh, about your various leagues. From the fans' perspective, point of view, my always fear is work stoppages. Mm-hmm. And you know, you you mentioned the NFL's got to work, start working on a new CBA. It's up in three years, and the NHL is is around the same timetable, I believe. Uh, so. Do you feel for? I'll start with you, Jason. Do you feel that there's a possibility of a work stoppage, or I mean, there's always a possibility, but I, and the NFLPA is this, in a mode right now where they want you to think the sky is falling. This is this is their time to sort of get ahead of the curve when nobody's thinking about the expiration of the CBA and tell people the sky is falling. This is the great time for rhetoric because nothing's at stake. You you can't change anything for three years if you want it, but let's start getting the average fan. Oh, worried, and boy, they better take care of these players because if they don't, they're actually all going to get together this time and all 1,800 of them say, we're going to end well. There's no strike provisions in this 
CBA. So they've signed a CBA that flat out has a no strike clause. So they violate the CBA if they do strike. So I don't see that happening. I mean, could there be another lockout or whatever? I guess. But, I mean, they had a lockout the last time. And before they even lost anything other than the Hall of Fame game, they got basically stuck. the PA said, we got to get this done. And the players started freaking out and guys didn't want to miss paychecks. Millionaires versus billionaires. The billionaires are always going to be able to outweigh you. Binding 32 guys together versus binding 1,800 guys together. It, it, it's it's The scales are so far tipped in management's favor that I don't see with how much money's at stake now the NFLPA three years from now literally striking or, or um, you know, withholding their services. Good. And there's not a history there. So I feel good about that. And that's one of the reasons why it's the number one sport because they haven't screwed over the fans. Yeah, not since Unlike the 80s. our friends in the NHL, which well, is the NFL's cons- done it, but it hasn't been since 81 well, and 87. long time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, NHL has done it consistently, and I have a I have a really bad feeling that we're going to lose a lot of games coming up pretty pretty closely. I don't know. What do you think, Sean? Or can you say? Uh, I don't. I don't really think that. I think like him. I think it's bleak now, or not bleak, but the the conversations happening now because neither side can really do anything about it. I think as it gets closer, you know, the what's going to be. Disgust is going to become much more crystallized, and I think the gap's smaller. I think a lot of things were taken care of the last time. I think there's still issues, but I think they're smaller on both sides, and obviously the hope would be that they get sorted out. But I, I so fortunately, I think it's a little ways off, and there's time to right, work good. on it. I think the Olympics. There's hope. Yeah, I think the Olympics obviously were a huge talking point on both sides. But that's something that needed to be collectively bargained and probably will be in the next one, and and you go from there. So um, you never know, but I, I, I think things – I hope things are in a different yeah, place. Let's not all muck on wood there. So now CBS is not doing the Super Bowl this year, correct? We do not have the Super Bowl. <clears throat> are you still going to go? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll go and we'll do – it's all video now. I mean, I still write, but like the push is video, video, video. So we'll we'll still have um, the CBS uh, Sports Network, our cable network, and CBSSports.com. We'll still have uh, we'll be doing live shows from there, um, streaming on the net, and then also on our cable network. Um, not as many as if we had the game itself, but yeah, I, I'm always there all week and writing columns and doing all that. How stuff. excited are you to go to Minneapolis in February? For the Super I haven't, you know, I guess it's the only new stadium that I haven't been in, so it's always cool. To Viking all Stadium, stadiums. by the way, looks amazing. Amon Amar I mean, should be doing the, the the the. I haven't uh, been something in it yet. It, I mean, everything I've heard is like it's year. phenomenal. But yeah, I mean, a week uh, in Minneapolis in February. Uh, I hope, I hope the media hotel is very close to <laughs> the convention center where Radio Row will be. I hope I don't have to walk outdoors to go from one to the other. Well, they have the habit trail, so you're good. They have the all the buildings are connected by the overpass. Oh, they got like like they have in Indianapolis. They've got yeah, that the deal. Pedestrian okay. overpasses, so it looks like a, a dribble trail, right? Yeah, you I don't just kind of run from building to building. And I don't know how spread out it's going to be from Minneapolis and St. Paul. I I like St. Paul a lot. I think it's cool. Um, back from when I covered hockey and when they built the arena there, there was a lot of like great restaurants and yeah. cool stuff around there. But I, I don't know where I'll be staying or or how convenient that'll be. But it, it's cool town. But yeah, I'd rather be um, yeah in more temperate climes. Yes, I can hear you. I was always one like, well, I'm Minneapolis. Well, you guys at all have fun there. Be, at least it'll be better than New York because it's indoors. 
the game. See, I didn't mind. I, yeah, I like. I mean, they I got, they got it was nice in New York. I, know, yeah. I was here for that. I, know. Was I thought it was lucky. cool. I thought it was cool. I really liked that whole week in New York. Not that it felt like a Super Bowl because there's just so much else going on. But I didn't have to get on a plane. I could train up, train back. And remember, they had the terrible storms and nobody could get out. And I just jumped on my little Amtrak and I was home in two hours and 20 minutes. So I root for me. That's <laughs> I root right. For, which can be for me. Nobody like, understands. Yeah. Like, don't you think this is great? No, I think this would be way better because I could yeah, get Yeah, like if they played early. it in New York every year, like I could live with that. Yeah. Well, it's coming to Vegas. That'll be fun. Uh, I'll let you guys talk baseball. I don't. Well, I know. Well, you were, we were talking we were baseball. We were talking before. I, I know you're all fired up. Your your Orioles, which you know, I I always think it's funny when you're in the business that there's the one thing that you're able to hold on to. Yeah. Like for me, it's the Patriots. I've covered a little bit of football early in my career, but down here in New York, like. I've never been indoctrinated into the business of football. I have no loyalties. Right. And it's like, just a fan it's thing. Still, it's like escape. They're heroes, like Tom Brady. Yeah. Robert, I don't know them. I've never had to deal right. with them. They've never told me to go scratch. Right. Like right. it's a wonderful. And so every Sunday, I just shut her down, sit in front of the TV, and cheer for the same team I've cheered for since I was five years old. And I would imagine that's very much what the Orioles are like for you, judging by it is. your social media postings. It is. I'd say the Orioles and the, the U.S. men's national team. And I grew up baseball and soccer were probably yeah. my first loves um, and the sports I played the most. So, uh, yeah, it kind of takes me back to, to childhood a little bit. And especially baseball for me, it's the timing is perfect because, you know, like I said, what my season is like things start winding down after the draft. Um so and school is winding down and I get my most free time in May and June. And the cool thing about the Orioles is all of their minor league affiliates are within the furthest drive is three and a half from my house for their AAA affiliate. Everything else is within 45 minutes. So like the Orioles are out of town. We go to single A game. We go to a double A game. I take my kids. The whole team autographs their ball. They get to know these guys. I do a podcast in Baltimore that's just for Baltimore. BMOshow.com, be more opinionated if you're so inclined. You know, you get to know these guys when they're single A. You put them on the podcast. You see them move their way up. Like this kid, Trey Mancini, like I've known him since he was in Bowie three years ago. Like if not for Aaron Judge, and even with Aaron Judge, considering Aaron Judge's second half, I mean, Trey Mancini should probably be the American League Rookie of the Year. Like he knows Rocco's name. Like Rocco, my my oldest son, has Trey's jersey from Bowie, like game worn three years ago. Like we're sitting at Yankee Stadium in May and he comes over, hey, Rocco, what's going on? And then we're there with my um, brother-in-law and his kids who live in Atlanta who are O's fans but only get to one game a year. And they get to meet Trey, Trey Mancini because he comes over to say hi to my son. Like, you can't – like, that's just a pure thing to me. So, yeah. like, that's the time of year when I, I'm I'm not so chained to the camera in my house and the laptop and all that. And it's it's right there. And we go we, – we take a couple road trips to see the Orioles on the road every year. And it's just a, – it's a really cool thing. And – um, yeah, it is an escape and it's just pure fandom. Now, because I have this podcast and I'm a little bit outspoken, I do have to deal with some BS. Like we're not letting players come on your podcast anymore because you don't like the general manager. Well, I think the general manager is incompetent, but that's my right. <laughs> so I, you know, my kids aren't privy to all that, but like, I do get a little bit of that yeah. brushback where there's days where you're like, you know, Orioles PR is the worst, like get a life. You know what I mean? All the money I spend on your team and, and, you know, all the support we give to these kids in single A and all that who aren't getting a national light signed on them. And you want to 
You know, yeah, you want to come bad, at me for something I tweet, but even then it doesn't kill bad it. publicity is good publicity when you're small market you're, team. Yeah. Right. So whatever, but I, I do, I, I, I love it. Um, I don't know if they're going anywhere. They're not going to win in the playoffs. I still think they should have traded a couple of their guys who they're not going to be able to keep long-term before the deadline. I still hope they'd make a general manager change next year, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, now that they've won five in a row and they're two out of the wild card, it's like, I'm, I'm of course I'm rooting for them. Yeah. Like I want it to work, but in the back of my mind, it's like, you know, if Manny Machado walks for a fourth round comp pick, you know, 13 months from now, this it's like, they're going to suck for 10 years. Like it's not even, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be back to the 14 straight years where they couldn't go over 500. So. I have a dumb question to ask you, and I apologize in advance. There are no dumb questions. No, this is really dumb because I just <clears throat> I'm pretty baseball ignorant these days because I just don't have time. And uh, it's a long story. Anyway, I played baseball since I was 18. Um, is Mark Trumbo still on the Orioles? He is. Lesh. Mark Trumbo is a great guy. I, I love Trumbo. I know Trumbo. He's a metal. He's a metal and hardcore guy. I didn't guy. know he was a metal. He's and a metal and hardcore guy. guy. When he was on the Angels, I went to an Angel game, and he came up to um, I forget what song he came up to. Some a hardcore thing. Not every time I die, really? but one of those things. I was like, that's interesting so i went on his twitter feed and started scrolling through his twitter feed really he's talking about a bunch of metal blade band stuff on there so i uh dm'd him on twitter dm me back oh hey man da, da, da. so we became twitter friends we sent him a bunch of stuff and met him one time really briefly super nice guy and then they, of course the angels traded him to arizona and then he went right to, and then uh, he was in, in seattle yep. and then the orioles traded for him from seattle like when you go to as many games as i go to like you you can tell like who gets it and, like he's a guy who We've seen – I mean, I've seen the Orioles play all over. Like, I've never not seen him sign autographs for kids. I've never no, not seen guy. him – like, somebody calls him over, he's coming over. Or five minutes before the game, he's giving a kid a batting glove or whatever. Like, when he doesn't have to do it. Rain delay and he'll come out. Like, you, you can just tell who's kind of pure of heart. And uh, he's not having the year this year he had – I mean, last year he led the American League in home runs. He had a monster year. This year he's kind of regressed to the to the mean, but um, he's a good dude. I know they love him in the clubhouse. He's been good for their young players, and we've got him for two more years. So go yeah, Trumbo. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should. yeah. But next time I see him, like at a game, I'll be Please like, do. "What are you listening to?" Yes. I'll let him know that that you're my boy. Definitely, because I, I know there's not many metalheads on that team. No, but it's, it's not good many. We've in... got at least one. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of, of that, so I got I got city or that area. Well, I got around. I got our, our guest, our former guest. Which one? Doolittle. Yeah, yeah. Do playing for the Nationals. Yeah. Playing for the Nationals, perfect in save opportunity since he's been Yeah, I watched – I was uh, I was flying here to New York on Sunday and I was uh, – I luckily had satellite TV on the plane, thank God. Uh, so I watched the National game and, and good old Doolittle came in. And I love his new – his jersey just says do on the, yeah. on the back of it. He's a riot. But well, I also give a, have to give a shout-out to my buddy Trevor Bauer who pitches for the Cleveland Indians who now his new walkout music is Amon Amarth. Oh, which wow. Which is his all-time favorite band. So uh, they, the Indians actually posted a whole uh, a whole thing oh, of him walking out. Thing? Well, him walking out. No, him walking out to a mile Mars, and they have some. Uh, I guess these a bunch of mascots that are like dressed as a rock band or something, and they, and they were going crazy, headbanging and stuff. So it's all big, a big to do there. So shout out to wow. to my boy Trevor. Bauer. Have you ever got like have, has he met the band or like? Oh yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, been yeah. Able to, like get them together. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's cool. Oh, absolutely. They they all know. I mean, the Mile Marth guys, they're hockey guys, but they don't know. Yeah. They don't know baseball that much, but now they're they're into baseball. Yeah, he actually was in. We did the horn, the the raise your horns video, and Trevor Bowers in that. I think Doolittle's okay. in it. We got a few Josh Barnett. We got a few athletes in there. Well, yeah. both those teams have a shot in the postseason. I think the Indians will be back in the World Series. They need I hope so. Pitching staff in the American League. So. But I have I, now I have a, a way to root for them because I always root for the teams that have metal guys. On yeah, them, so it's not a lot of them, but there's a few of them still out there. Mostly pitchers. Trumbo's one of the few batting guys. 
Yeah, it just it doesn't. It's like a lot of like I used to cover baseball, and it's like a lot of hip hop and a lot of country. Yeah, that's, that's what hockey. That's is. like so hockey. Well, is yeah, too. hockey's a lot of country and a lot, a lot of, of terrible EDM. EDM. Oh yeah. my god! Oh really? When you go to like oh. Chicago or LA, like their the warm up music thing oh. is just like put your head through the table because you're like, what is going on? I can remember. I haven't covered hockey for a long time, but I can remember one of the first years they opened Staples Center. Um, and you know, I'm always paying attention to the music during the, you know, the skate around and everything. And like, I swear, like within like a five song span, it was, there was, it was like Maiden, it was like Pennywise, like during, there may have been no effects. This is, this during, is a long, this is before during, lockout. During this like, like during the game or no, during no, no, warm up. during warm up. Well, back then they actually used to let the because the 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 guy who programmed well actually did all of the uh, the acoustics and all the the speakers and stuff in Staples Center is Fred Corey, who's the drummer from Cinderella. He's a good friend of mine, and Dieter Rule does the music stuff there. And they're definitely you know it's L.A. so they got to play a lot of stuff yeah. during the game, uh, but they'll play you know they'll play all that stuff during a game. But it used to be those guys would play stuff for warmups, but now the teams, a lot of the teams, the players will pick everything, and the, the Kings are the worst. The worst. Chicago's pretty bad. I know I have friends that are into that kind of music who I've brought to hockey games. I go, I can't go in and watch the uh, warm-up because it's so bad. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to disparage your music. And they go, oh, no, we even think this is terrible. Wow. And they like that style of music. So, yeah, it's bad. So we just go and watch Pittsburgh pregame? Yeah, which they play nothing but heavy. heavy. Okay. I have not been in the new building. I guess it's pretty it's cool. amazing. I think it's. I was in the igloo. I covered so many games in the igloo, playoff the, games in the igloo, three, four overtime playoff games in the igloo. I love the igloo, but the new arena is, I think, the best in in hockey. And the good news is, in Vegas, they almost mimic the that arena. Oh, really? Very, very similar yeah. in Vegas yeah. to the one in Pittsburgh. The igloo, three overtimes in the igloo. And the little chair that swings out like you're in the fifth grade again. Oh yeah. That's a long time, man. They were horrendous. Well, and you're like, I mean. I was be I was like most of the games I covered there were the Washington Post and the Caps were always playing the Penguins yeah. in the playoffs and we'd have like three columnists you know it'd be like Kornheiser and Wilbon like the big boys are in for that and everybody's smushed together there and they're like yeah but yeah they had those seats that were like on a on a pivot so when you had to get out you yeah you whack somebody the in the knees <laughs> yeah oh yeah and everybody was on their old trash oh 80s. yes and the Tandy oh yeah as soon as you bumped them it disconnected. Like a guy would just look at you. You're like trying to run to go down to the locker room and you turn and you'd hit the guy or you'd hit the desk and you'd just hear that little noise that said that you – because you, you basically were like – Oh, yeah. If, the, like if you move the thing off the couplers, if you move the phone off the couplers at all, you'd lose your connection. Or if you had the wrong – you have to put this trail of coding in. Yeah. Then you'd, like, you'd wait to hear like this certain sound like, oh, it actually got there. and It was crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. That was stuff. more – I didn't have too much of that in the NHL, but like the AHL – in the mid '90s, that was like my life was like fighting for that like one phone and who got the thing on the couplers first. And yeah. the file. <laughs> like from like Glens Falls or freaking Rochester, Binghamton, Providence, Cornwall, Ontario, like wherever. Yeah. The first time I went to uh, the old uh, Capitals building, I almost the got Cap a Center. fight in the press box. Well, yeah, because you're right over, in the stands over the phone trying to send on deadline. Uh, another reporter actually unplugged the phone. Was it date? Was it the late Dave Fay? No. Tell me, it wasn't the late great Dave Fay. No, it was. It was one of my. It was oh, one okay. of the Devils guys, and we got into it so heavy that like fans in the stands as the game's ending are turning around and just watching us scream at each other. Yeah, because like yeah, that was you like right in the concourse, <laughs> the old Cap Center. Like yeah, you were right, right in the middle of it. Yeah, that's crazy stuff. Like you, you think about 
our jobs now, and I'm sure it's the same for you. I know you've done a lot. Nobody's cutting my phone off. No, but I know you've done a lot of reliving uh, the metal, original Metal Massacre for your oh, book yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Like just the the way things have moved forward. Oh, like, technology, yeah, please. There's people that have come in to the, our business in the last four or five years that are like, this is so hard. Like the things that we have to do are so hard. I'm like, try doing them on computers that would hang up four four lines of type on a green background with black letters like when when you try and tell people they're like shut up grandpa well you know, the other day uh, <laughs> uh literally the other day uh there was a uh, you know all these articles coming out and stuff for the book so ron mcgovney who was the original bass player from metallica one of the stories was our story about how cliff burton became into metallica and it was because ron mcgovney you know they came to me and said hey he's not progressing as well as the other guys we need somebody in and i was kind of worried that ron might get upset and ron was like no nah, i was i was happy for my for my friends and everything but his name was misspelled on one of the metal masters as well as metallica was misspelled Oh, on the first one and it's all because you know i was giving all this information to a typesetter and back then you couldn't proofread anything or, or who knows right. and uh and the name metallica didn't even exist so i guess they put two t's in there but i had to clarify guys I, I think i said in my response to ron like i hate typesetters and i said all right for all you young people google what a typesetter is right you probably have no idea right what exactly is a typesetter oh, yeah the days before the computer and stuff. So you're a big music guy, obviously. We've gone to a ton of shows together. Yes. Have you seen anything recently that was good? Or um, do you, do, do you see more get, in the offseason or yeah, more during I the season? Yeah, I do. The last three shows I saw were all really good. Um, the first one I had no expectations for because I'd promised myself years ago that I just wasn't going to see him anymore because it, it wouldn't be the same. But I saw Fishbone for the first time in forever. And I've oh, seen awesome. Fishbone a million times. But I was kind of like uh, – they were they were playing all Chim Chim's Badass Revenge. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. And they played like one set of just like amazing old stuff. And then they played Chim Chim straight through. And like I staged I, – like, I, it was the first time I'd stage dived in probably – Oh, wow. <laughs> since, I mean at least since I had kids. I mean That's awesome. it had been probably 15 years. But Angelo pulled me up there and there was no way I wasn't. And so I got up there more than once. It was it was a pretty awesome show. Um, was is Rocky George still playing guitar? Yeah, and they got um, so you know, you know Ro- Fish was back on drums. Like it, yep. was, it was basically everybody except for like Special K. Like it was almost like the whole – or no, I guess Chris Dowd and Special K both weren't there. Well, Rocky's an old friend of mine. He's a huge hockey guy. He play, He's a really good really? hockey player. Yeah, he played in L.A. like at an elite level. And we, we, we used to go to games all the time in the 80s for the Kings and stuff. He's a great dude. Yeah, it was, a good, it was a good lineup. Cool. Um, so that show was cool. Uh, I saw the specials. That was pretty amazing. Um, and then I saw Metallica open their tour at M&T Bank Stadium. So yep. there was no way I was going to miss that. And there was, actually, there was actually a lot of NFL guys. Like I was actually in a suite with um, – some of the Ravens top executives, uh, some of their scouts, some, some other guys who scout for other teams, but are based in the Maryland area. And, you know, I haven't seen that many, I'm not a big, uh, stadium show guy, you know, but, no. but that they, I mean, it's amazing how they make 75,000 seats feel intimate. Like it, it, I mean, it, well, those they, they blew me away. 8,000 foot screens. Yeah, but they, they, I mean, I was, I was really, I mean, I went there like with not having like really any expectations. Just like it's cool to be out of the house, uh, and it was it was pretty freaking amazing. I love the set list. Like, I mean, I wish it was a little more old stuff, but I yeah. get where they are. I mean, they're yeah, moving a new it's album, a stadium and show. For, yeah, and for for where they are in their career, and for having a new, you know, be like not just touring for the sake of touring, but touring for an album. I thought the set list was pretty damn cool. And I mean, they they did them. I don't know how they. I don't know if they did it the rest of the tour, but I mean. When they came out for the encore, like I feel like they were out there. I mean, 
they definitely went way over time. Like whatever they're paying people, whatever you know they they promised we're gonna be off at like midnight or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get home to like one thirty in the morning. Like they played forever. Wow, nice. Yeah, that was one of the. I think they played extra a couple extra ones on that one because the first show too. They got to kind of work out some stuff. Yeah. No, they did a couple of jam things there too. They did not do. I think at some of the other shows too. So you saw a good one. Yeah. No, I did. It was. It was. It was. Uh, it was pretty cool. It was. It was really cool. Well, now the football season, you got to get up here on Saturday nights and uh, worst things in the world. Shows, but yeah, yeah, yeah that, oh, when you're around, oh, absolutely. No, I, I haven't, I haven't like looked like usually like I'll start checking what out what's a- going a- on a- in September. Ace Fraley, definitely September in for that. Sixteenth, I believe. Yeah, no, I'm definitely, I'm definitely in for that. I can't believe it's all football season starts like so fast. It's awesome. The it dark is. days of sports for me are a week over. from Thursday. Uh, the other night yeah. I was home. Like what? Like it's middle of August. What do I do? I'm not a baseball guy. I have ended up watching some soccer lately, which is kind of scary. No, I'm a huge soccer fan. So. I watched actually. I watched, uh, although it wasn't a great game, Barcelona play Madrid and the whatever the Spanish Super Cup, Super Cup, yeah, Super Cup yeah. or whatever. It is. But I really enjoyed that game because it was fun, up and down game, and guys would just fall down and they didn't fall down like they, their leg had been right. shot off. Right. It's like they fall down and get up. Yeah. That, that was awesome. That's yeah. the one thing I can't. If you get that out of soccer, I'm I'm in because games like that are fun. But then these guys like fall down like you know some like a fly lands on their leg and they've been their leg's been shot off. As a hockey fan, I can't. I mean, Check come out on, the guys Bundesliga. Lose, they show they show a ton of it on teeth. Fox now. I think yeah. you like the German Bundesliga. Too. I've seen some German. I've not actually, quite as direct as the Prem. Um, I've seen some German games. I've actually been to uh, a soccer game and uh, a Bundesliga game in Germany. It, it's fun. I'm a big Bundesliga guy. It's fun to do. You should go see the Modern Marth guys and go in Sweden. To a uh, soccer game in Sweden? Yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, I'm, like I'm, I'm warming up to it, but it's all ending because with football and hockey starting yeah. soon and then Hammerby all and ends. Stockholm. No, yeah? like, they, I've never got the chance to go when I, the last two times I went to Stockholm, they were away the weekend I was there, but it's supposed to be unbelievable. It's, they're not a big club, but their fans are supposed to be. Crazy. Well, we, we could do this all day cause we're already yeah. over an hour. Okay. <laughs> so thanks again for coming. Oh, it's my Jason. pleasure, man. I'm uh, glad it worked out. Give Always. me all your, give us all your, uh, ways people can follow you, your social media. Oh, nonsense. Geez. Uh, yeah. Uh, at Jason is... Lock and Fora on Twitter. It's not as difficult. As difficult as it sounds, J A S O N L A C A N F O R A. Instagram? No, I'm not Instagram or Facebook. I'm really just Twitter. Uh, Why you know, no Instagram? What's, what's up? I don't you, know. Weird, First of all, I have this BlackBerry, and the phone I, on it is jacked up, and Instagram is all photos, right? And yeah. like, whenever I put a photo on Twitter, like I don't do it very often. People are like, "Dude, your phone sucks! Like, don't ever take another picture the rest of your life." So, um, I dude, just, I've been wanting to ask him every time he takes it out to check something. I want to ask him if he's Canadian. He might be. You might be the only American I know that has a BlackBerry. Really? Doesn't work for the government. I'm going back to it several times. No, I don't. Yeah, I'm not, well, he's in not Baltimore. I think that little Washington D.C. Baltimore area is the one little stronghold left it for could BlackBerry. Be. It could be because a lot of government people still have BlackBerry. Yeah, they have them have to like because of, I guess the encryption or whatever. Something. Um, that's what you need it for. Uh, so right? Twitter. Just no. Twitter and then CBS yeah, just cbsports.com. I'm there all the time. Um, if you want to check out my, my podcast, if you have any interest in Baltimore sports or Baltimore music or Baltimore culture for any reason, uh, you can go to bmoshow.com. We're at uh, bmoshowpod on Twitter and we're on iTunes. 
And every Sunday on Every CBS. Sunday on CBS Sports on the NFL Today from noon to 1 Eastern Time. Before that, on that other pregame show on CBS Sports Network. And then throughout the week on CBS Sports Network now, was there CBS ch- Radio. Sorry, was there a change in uh, in the in the people on the NFL Today now? Did you Yeah, did, did yeah. They have my uh, good friend who was talking about being in mosh pits at Metallica. Mr. Gonzalez is not there anymore. Tony is not. Aww. Tony is not. I never did get to a show in, in New York with Tony, but I went to a few. And he's like, oh, I might go. And then, like, it didn't happen. But, yeah, Tony's from the way you – know, obviously lives in L.A. Yeah. Fox is based in L.A. Um, it just made more sense. I mean, he's losing his whole weekends flying back and forth sure. to New York. So uh, we got Nate Burleson in who um, – you know, former receiver who's been uh, on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network for a few seasons now, and Nate's really up on everything and knows his stuff. And then Phil Sims has now gone into the studio. We got Tony Romo with Jim Rance, Jim Nance, on um, our number one broadcast team, and and Phil is in studio with us at the NFL today. And then Boomer Esiason's back, and James Brown is back, and Bill Cowher's back, and I'm back. Mr. Metal, uh, Bill Cowher. Well, a little bit more and more, especially with his wife V. I, I know mean, she's got yeah. She's when, got some when he tells me Corey Taylor is a friend of the family. They were, I was That's at his I, when I was at his wedding, and like one table over it was like Corey Taylor. I'm like I was stuck with all these football agents and like NFL people, and I'm like oh, I want to be at that table. Like I want to be at the metal table. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But yeah, it was a cool. It was a, it was an amazing wedding, and uh, Coach had his 60th birthday party over the over the summer, and there was a lot of music industry people there as well. Um, you know who know his wife and uh yeah coach is coach is pretty eclectic he's a good dude coach is pretty eclectic <clears throat> all right well thanks again for doing hey, this pleasure, we always guys. appreciate it sean be good and you can also uh, go amazon or anywhere books are sold and check out the for the sake of heaviness history of metal blade records and we'll talk to you guys next month